the skincare world is like a minefield. There's always a new product, there's always a new gadget coming out. It's hard to know which products are actually non-toxic and are going to deliver powerful outcomes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. From a list of over 250 skincare, hair care, makeup, hair, skin, nail supplements, grooming supplies, dribble rollers, and dermal rolling serums, I've got you covered. All of these products are pre-vetted by me and are free of parabens, salate sulfates, artificial dyes, and fragrances. Head on over to the shop page at theschoolofradiance.com. If you'd like some customized guidance, which I highly recommend, be sure to book your one-on-one -on -one session. Use promo code PODCAST15, and I look forward to connecting with you over at theschoolofradiance.com. Enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition on the Rachel Varga podcast. This is a little bit of like a darker, shadowy, spooky one for just in time for Samhain and Halloween and the change of into the sort of like the darker seasons, if you will. And yeah, I'm really excited to get into this because we're going to talk a little bit about shadow work. And this is something that I've been doing a little bit more of myself. And it's actually been really exciting and been doing this type of work with, you know, my best friend, my husband. And, and it's been it's been quite, quite interesting what's come up. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about shadow work with licensed marriage and family therapist. Leslie Miranda. Let me just tell you a little bit about Leslie. She's been on the show a number of times. I love having experts in various fields show up to, to give us, you know, the most current, up-to-date, accurate information. Just to FYI, this is educational information, not medical advice. If you think you have a health condition or a mental health condition, please seek the guidance of your licensed physician and therapist. Leslie Miranda is a psychotherapist and licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Caramillo, California. I love California. She has two master's degrees in psychology and holds certification in brain spotting, clinical hypnotherapy, EMDR, and is a certified clinical trauma professional. She recently became an approved consultant in EMDR. Leslie has been a student and practitioner of the healing arts for the past 20 years and has a special interest in the connections between mind and body. What a fantastic background to you know work with us today to talk about the deeper aspects of our shadow sides and our unconscious. Welcome Leslie Miranda. It is an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. And I love the work that you do. And it's always just so nice to visit with you and explore and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. So you reached out to actually offer your insight into shadow work because I posted that I was reading a book on shadow work. You're like, Rachel, we got to talk about this. So so what did that bring up in you when, when I actually did that intentionally? I was like, okay, who else in this community is doing shadow work? Because I want to connect more with them. What, what, what came up for you? Well, it's something that you don't hear about that much these days, but it was a concept that was made popular by Carl Jung. And when I was getting my master's degree, I actually studied at a school that was based on Jungian psychology. 
And I just think it's just such an interesting topic and, and really important. I was thinking about it that it's almost kind of like getting your teeth cleaned twice a year, you know, that, that you want to maybe explore what's going on in the shadow and what's happening under the, the unconscious in our own life and also to explore how that's showing up in the world. Yeah, and the topic of shadow work, if you talk to various counselors and psychologists, some of them are a little bit polarized on this. They either love it or they don't love it. Why do you think that is? So I think that rightly so, there's been a lot of emphasis on evidence-based treatment in psychology. And I think that that's very important because that is what separates it from a pseudoscience. So oftentimes we want to look at how results are obtained in therapy. And that's oftentimes going to be with a specific protocol that's evidence-based, oftentimes cognitive behavioral therapy, which has a lot to do with thoughts and how we're thinking about things and behaviorism. And also, it, initially, the father of psychoanalysis was Freud. He had a lot to say about the unconscious. But as the trends have veered from that, it's gone to other directions. And I do think that there's a resurgence and people are finding an interest in Jungian psychology. So Jung was Freud's protege. Um, but I think that in trying to make it a, a science and making sure that the results that we're giving people are evidence-based, oftentimes maybe that we've looked away from some of these other psychologies, such as depth psychology, Jungian psychology, and shadow work. That being said, I really do see a convergence, and I believe that there's room for all of it. And some people even believe that depth psychology and shadow work is really a way of understanding psychology from the humanities and finding truth about human nature in that way. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I just really, you know, you reached out and you're like, Rachel, let's do a show on shadow work. I just love this because it's something that's been really helpful for me and has opened up a new dialogue with, you know, my husband and my best friend and doing the work together and, you know, yourself. So why don't we answer this question? Mm -hmm. What is shadow work and what does it mean to do shadow work? So if anyone could just visualize the, an iceberg, that's, the, that's the, the symbolism of shadow work is that we have what's above the surface, what we see over the water, what we know, what we think we know about ourselves, how we've come to understand who we are and our world. But then shadow work is what's actually really under the surface. What's the unconscious? What's in that murky water? How deep does it go? What, what are the gnarls that are around the material that's there? So shadow work is, is things that are we have that are within us. It's in our unconscious. It could even be in society's collective unconscious, but we don't necessarily see it above the surface. So our ego that part of us that thinks that we knows what we are and, and knows how what everything is like in life, our ego doesn't necessarily know what is under that surface. So shadow work is taking that dive underwater to see what's under the surface. And do you notice that a certain segment of your clients are doing this work? And also, would you maybe see that some of your most radiant clients are doing shadow work? I think that the work that, that I do as a trauma therapist could closely resemble shadow work in that 
it's going under the surface to things and memories, material information that is not necessarily readily available on the, the surface, but could be running the show in someone's life. And so inadvertently, I think if we're really doing trauma processing, which can involve a catharsis and an exploration, I, I think you could say that that's like a shadow work essentially, because it takes so much courage. You're going deeper, you're looking what's under the surface and you're kind of like bringing that up, allowing that to surface. So I would say that, yes, I do shadow work, even though it's it's through an evidence-based lens of doing EMDR and trauma work and brain spotting and hypnotherapy. But I think ultimately it's a type of shadow work because we're going under the surface and we're, we're working through belief systems that are stored under that surface to help change a person's life for the better and create more wholeness. Mm -hmm. I do want to kind of jump back to what does it mean to do shadow work and just kind of clarify this. It doesn't mean that you are doing anything bad, right? So we live in a world of duality, you know, good, bad, light, dark, shadow is almost just this other element of our psyche that it's actually really important for us to be aware of so that we don't succumb to certain, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, certain pressures or certain things that actually could harm us if we just understand how we might react in a certain situation with say fame, mm -hmm. fortune, envy, like what are your deepest kind of like underpinning desires on those topics? Can you just add some commentary to those words and you know, the seven, the seven sins or, or yeah. what, have you, what relation does that have to shadow work? Well, and, and Freud would say that he would define the shadow as the unconscious and would say that it was or things that we were su suppressed, the things that were not necessarily acceptable to society. So that could be just that, it, for instance, for in a woman, it may not be acceptable for her to be really aggressive. OK, so that gets suppressed, it push, pushed in the unconscious. So it's not necessarily like evil or creepy crawly or anything. You know, it could just be things like that or things that were not acceptable in a household growing up, that that gets pushed down, it gets suppressed. It could be things that are not really tolerable to ourselves. So like you said, perhaps we don't want to think of ourselves as an envious person. It's like we'd rather not have that perspective. So rather than work with it and go, gosh, this feeling is coming up. What What's that about? How can I work through that? Oftentimes people just push it down. They pretend that it's not there and it gets buried in the unconscious. So that's oftentimes what can happen with the shadow work is it's things that are just somehow unacceptable. It could also be positive qualities like, you know, like, I mean, I'm a therapist, but I have a very goofy sense of humor. That I can't always bring up all the time, you know, and make silly jokes. So that could get buried. Right. But then it's like finding a way for it to in a healthy way, in a positive way, show up. So part of it is it's, it's like going back to that aphorism of knowing oneself. When we can really know who we are, that's when we're not led about it unconsciously. We don't want to have envy in our unconscious or, you know, a quest for power deep in our unconscious, because the theme is that when we don't make it conscious, it runs the show. We don't want it to run the show. We want to be able to work with it, find a healthy outlet, and then consciously choose who we want to be as people. So if we were to talk about maybe how do we 
do shadow work. It's been uh, recommended to me through from my psychologist to do free writing with it, to mm -hmm. think about the different aspects of shadow and kind of just write pen or pencil to paper and see what comes up. How do you recommend that we do some shadow work? Well, that's an excellent bit of advice. There was a book that came out a while back, The Artist's Way, and that was one of her recommendations. She called it morning pages, meaning you just wake up and you just write, and it could be utter nonsense. It could make sense, who knows, but there's you don't edit. And the idea is you've kind of purged that from your consciousness at that point. So that's a fabulous way. I'm really big about dreams. I love dream work. It is so powerful. It is the best little hidden tool that we have. And the idea is that while we're asleep, the part of our brain that's constantly editing, it goes, this, the frontal lobes are so great. And yet, you know, they're problem solving, they're editing. They're not necessarily letting in material from our unconscious because we've got to go to work, do things like that. But while we're asleep, that little editor takes a break and we get to have information, images from our unconscious mind. And I have learned that if I can listen to my dreams in a way that I'm not necessarily like rushing in, like, what does this mean? But more like it's like a piece of art that I'm looking at from different lenses and, and just exploring the different themes and colors and metaphors in the dreams. There's oftentimes such helpful information. And I've just found that when I learn to pay attention to my dreams, it's like my dreams just nail it pretty much. They just tell me what I need to hear. Hopefully I'm willing to listen. That's beautiful. And going back to free writing, I love doing this, getting out in nature, sitting myself down. That's actually how I wrote my, I've, I've actually written a full book. I wrote it on Salt Spring Island. And then my ebook, uh, Unlocking Your Vitality, which you can get at rachelbarga.ca is kind of like an ultra condensed version of it. But most of what came to me was actually just free writing. And there's sometimes I'll just see this for fun and then I'll read back on it. And I was like, what? I've never even had that thought in my entire life. And it's so great for the creative aspect. So if you're listening and you're creative in some way, when I started to do some shadow work, I would get these really beautiful creative hits. Have you experienced that too? Absolutely. Because it's like some of that clutter has, has gotten removed and it's also cleansing. It's like, there's now this creative pathway where we're not just holding that material back, but it's there, it's room for it to express itself. Mm -hmm. And that, I'm curious about your take on this. Uh, when I've heard other clinicians talk about when people have kind of become their best version, they've really acknowledged the shadow side of themselves. Can you kind of elaborate on how doing the shadow work can really help us be our most whole human? I think when we're not doing shadow work or not going inward and looking at ourselves, it's very easy to be defensive about anything that comes our way, feedback or even anything that happens in life. And it can create kind of rigidity where we're convinced that we're doing the right thing. We have the right way of viewing this. That other person's not correct. No, we don't want to let in that information because if we hear that perspective, gosh, you know, that could bring something up in ourselves that we don't want to look at. So over time, that creates rigidity and tension. I bet you that there's physiological things that happen too, as far as blood pressure and heart rate variability. And so, you know, we're gonna get a very cemented mind and then in turn, probably a cemented body over time. So 
if we want to be radiant, and like you said, these, there's this spiritual quality where we're willing to recognize that we are human. We did not get born knowing every single thing, and we're constantly learning. There's this openness, and there's a calmness and a congruence because it's like we're comfortable going within and looking at our, and aspects of ourselves that may not be flattering. We may not think that they're a pretty thing to show to the world, but we're okay with ourselves. We're able to sit and tolerate that and learn and recognize that we don't have all the answers. And in, by doing that, it's like paradoxically, we become more wise. We're able to make better decisions because we're able to hold in more information and we really know ourselves and we know where we're going to get stuck. And we're able to work through that because we're not just suppressing that the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I'll just share with you that actually one of my best friends, uh, she has, I would actually kind of consider her to have been doing shadow work since she was a teenager. She would do these beautiful pieces of art, a very talented artist, poet, singer, and you know she really struggled with mental illness growing up. I really think it was actually related to a car accident she was in as a child, really kind of messing with her nervous system. But what's interesting, because she did that deep work literally in her teens, she has actually, I've, I've seen her be one of the most stable people around me. And I'm just so incredibly proud of her. And now I'm able to work with her on those you know, darker shadow aspects. And it's just so wonderful having that. I'm definitely going to do a show with Lena on shadow work. She's been on a previous episode here on the show. And it's just so fun to like do this type of self-exploration with people around you. And I've actually really seen that it's enhanced my overall wellness and understanding of myself. I feel like I can see this um, more depth in myself and also in others that do this work as well and even my husband and I we've sort of been talking about different aspects of ourselves, and it's kind of given us something new to talk about so in your opinion Leslie how can shadow work enhance our overall wellness radiance as well as our relationships well, I think first of all, just the openness and the curiosity that we have to have to be able to do some shadow work and look at qualities that we may have determined are undesirable within ourselves. I think first of all, that receptive place is a much better place to begin a conversation, to engage with other people from that place of, we don't know all the answers. There's, there's maybe something that we're going to learn along this journey. So I think just that starting place and that willingness to be curious is a great, great place to start. I think that there's an opportunity to really know another person and not just connect on an ego level, like, okay, like for instance, a spouse, like they check all the boxes that you think society wanted, but it's like, really have a deep level of engagement with another person. And perhaps you could even say it's it's the beginning of, of true love when you can really connect on all levels, including a level in which you're, you're discussing kind of where you're most vulnerable. So I think it can be incredibly positive if both people are willing. Yeah, it's definitely allowed for some really interesting conversations with my hubby. And, and like I said before, it kind of gave us new things to think about. And then when I started to do this type of work, if you're listening, you're a professional, you're a creative in your own right, 
I really got some pretty wonderful uh, creative hits from it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, there's like this other layer to ourselves. So what you talked about, let me just expand on this. What's considered good and bad in a household is so different across cultures. Mm. And so we just need to be aware of, you know, something that might be considered good or bad in our culture might not necessarily be true for someone else on the other side of the world. So how can you kind of add more breadth of information to that? What's called, I believe it's called cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it's, it's very important to, to do our best to understand cultures besides our own and how they might approach things. And, you know, in studying therapy, we tried to learn of how to best be a therapist to anybody that came our way. And, you know, there are some cultures that, for instance, believe that they can speak to people on the other side. And so that idea is the clinician should not rush to judgment about what that's about, but to realize that in a cultural context, it makes sense. And I think that there's there's perhaps a lot of things in that of that nature where, for instance, in California, Halloween is popular and Dia de las Muertes is popular. So the idea is that that it's a time when there's a deeper connection to loved ones who have passed away. So the way I see it, and because this is part of depth psychology and recognizing that other cultures actually are sharing information about the collective consciousness at large. So it's kind of like seek first to understand, really, before we snap to judgment, recognize that we may have something really profound to learn from another culture, from another person, from someone who has a very different worldview. So I would say to to try to approach it from a student perspective with mind open, eyes open, ears open and learn, and then see if we can distill the truths that are actually very universal to all humans. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about culture, I'm reading this great book, The Nomadic Mindset, that one of my dear clients got me. And I just loved it. It's such a different way of people coming together, connecting first, having a shared experience through tea ceremony, and then they're problem solving. It's mm. a totally different way than showing up in the boardroom and saying, here's the agenda, here, blah, 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 blah. here's the It's so different. And it's so beautiful to, to really kind of see that. And one of the reasons why I'm talking about shadow work on the Rachel Barker podcast, we talk about body, mind, spirit, energy, that this is something that's actually really changed my life and helped me kind of up level as an individual. And it's been a really interesting process. This type of work might not be right for everybody. So what's your take on that? I I really think if everyone were to give it a chance, they might find a lot of benefit. I mean, because to me, it's also really the psychology of success because it's our shadow that's going to get in the way of our success. It's the material that's unconscious that we are not, we don't realize is running the show that could blind a person to their point of view or decisions they're making or, or blind them to their own foibles, essentially. So when we can work on ourselves, when we know ourselves, when we know where we're vulnerable and we can 
make plans to kind of create a check and balance in their own life or work through something with someone that's trusted. I mean, it's just basically clearing the way to our success. It's Jung that said what we don't make conscious within ourselves shows up outside of us as fate, meaning we're going to keep bumping our head against the same thing again and again and think that it's happening outside of us when really it's an inner block that we have to clear. So I think that not everybody necessarily will delve into it the same way, but going deeper, learning about ourselves, questioning ourselves. And I think that that could possibly provide really interesting information for anyone. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm kind of embracing the change of seasons, I did this fabulous uh, Celtic leadership program with Nadine McCarthy. I've always been fascinated with, you know, the, the Gaelic wisdom mm -hmm. and, and from that culture, I just think it's beautiful. They have this, you know, wheel of the seasons. I can't wait to get one of the wood carvings and put it on my wall. It's just such a different way of looking at seasons. So here in North America, it's like, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer, but where's the depth in that? Because, you know, with change of season, change of temperatures, everything around us is changing. The trees behind me are changing right now. And so what makes us think that there isn't a layer of us that has a degree of change as well? So I, I was actually able to do some very deep work with Nadine McCarthy in her program last year, and it was so much fun. And if you are a professional and you're looking for creative insights and ways to kind of maybe connect with the seasons a little bit more, I definitely recommend that resource. Have you ever done any type of like season work like that? Because right yes. now we're in the kind of like the semi shadow season. I love to look at the symbolism of the seasons. And I used to live in LA County and then I moved to Ventura County and became very interested in farming and growing my own food. And when that happened, I started to have a connection to the earth and the land and exactly what you said, the seasons and what things blossom when and where. And that began, I started to realize that there's incredible wisdom in embracing the seasons, as you say. And I especially find it interesting this season, the fall season, where it's like the harvest, where we're going back and realizing what we grew, what we harvested over the summer when nature was like pulsing. And then there's this, this trimming that happens. And I do view that there's a symbolism and I think we feel it. I, I you, most people have the sense right when the weather changes, it's just like a, it's like a beautiful, bittersweet kind of quality in the air and they feel that. And then you start seeing everybody posting about their lattes, you know, their pumpkin lattes on Facebook. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that, that it's like, trimming back the excess during this time, you know, the symbolism. I think it's a good time to, to declutter. People talk about that in the spring, but I think nature's decluttering and trimming and, and pruning, and yet roots are strengthening under the surface. So I think of this time as strengthening what matters and the connections to family and closeness, and also building up our, our internal nourishment with soups and healthy meals and things that build us up, even if it's not the time that we're boom, blossoming and producing. So looking at the symbolism, and maybe it's not symbolism, like you're saying, maybe it's one and the same, what happened is happening in nature and where we're at as humans. So this is a, a, a little bit of a random question for you. What do you think of synchronicities? 
I think it's really cool when it happens. So that means it's like something, two things kind of align that you didn't realize were connected or something happens, you run into somebody or you see a bumper sticker, or you get an email and it's like, how did that work? That seemed outside of the realm of space and time. I, I always am open for them. And I love when it's so obvious, it kind of hits you over the head. I try not to see everything as a synchronicity and be like, oh my gosh, this means that and that means that, you know, but it's more so the magic of it when it just happens and it's just presented to you. I think those moments are incredible and powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just curious, uh, your take on that. And yeah, I, I love observing that. And it's just kind of fun for me. It's kind of exciting. And I love what you mentioned about, you know, there's so many beautiful things that occur with the change of seasons. And I just really encourage everyone listening to start to notice the beauty around you because it's going to kind of allow you to maybe put that silver lining on things a mm. little bit easier. What do you think about living a life where you're kind of seeking out, you're looking and you're appreciating and being grateful for beauty around you? I mean, we really just have the moment. I mean, yes, there's stuff that happened in the past and there's things that are going to happen in the future, but we get there by being in the present and using our senses and just savoring each and every moment. That's where it's at, really. I mean, that's, I think what we're trying to do as humans is create a better quality of life now. And in turn, that leads to a better quality of life in the future. Mm -hmm. And we, when we think of the word beauty, sometimes we might think of the word the beauty industry and everything, mm -hmm. but really encourage you to go a lot deeper than that and look for the beauty in your interactions, the beauty in nature around you, the beauty in how you feel, whether it's light or shadow and just, you know, kind of embrace it. Hmm. How can we learn to understand messages from our unconscious? So for example, when you talked about blocks, when we talk about something comes up and you're like, oh, I don't want to go there. Like I observe this in people when something's a block for them, they'll say, oh no, I don't have time to do my, I don't have time to do a skincare routine. Well, hmm. why? And then sometimes we'll dig a little bit deeper it's because they're a mother. They don't have time because they have kids. They have guilt around looking after the largest mm. organ of their body, which mm. newsflash, I have a close friend and you know her fiance had a melanoma and it's actually uh, metastasized into brain lesions. So wow. looking after our skin is so important. And obviously I've you know, been praying for them a mm. lot over the last couple of days. But people have blocks around looking after an important aspect of our health. So, you know, they'll do the detoxing, they'll live the healthy lifestyle, and they'll look after some organs, but then they won't look after the biggest organ of their body. What are the blocks that you've learned about beauty? That's, those are, that's really interesting. I, I think that, that sometimes people believe that they're being vain on some level and that that has a negative association for them. And I heard a neat reframe that it's also a way of being accountable to the people around us that we're taking care of ourselves and doing our best to be radiant because the mirror neurons, other people are going to pick up on that and they're going to feel better when we're doing our best and presenting ourselves as well as we can. So, you know, I think that it's individual for each person, but exploring the negative beliefs that are coming up. Like if someone is thinking, 
other people there, my time, it really should only go to other people and not myself. So that's a belief system. So that might be lurking in the unconscious that they don't realize that they have. Uh, they could believe that they're not worth spending time on or that somehow, you know, it's not spiritual to put energy into the large, largest organ in the body, you know? And so, it, you know, really bringing that to light and looking at those beliefs and recognizing how they may not actually be serving anybody and then exploring new beliefs. And then because that's no longer unconscious, if you bring it to the light, essentially you can now choose what actually makes sense and who you want to be as a person going forward. And that's also a way to help release that block is to actually dive into why you're experiencing that, you know, just be, what's the word I'm looking for? Just observing how you're feeling and having mm -hmm. compassion for that. And then do you feel like that's how people can let go of blocks is when they really dive headfirst into it? 100%. And even the way you were describing it right now, there was a relaxed way that you were describing it. It's almost like you take a deep breath, you let go of that tension and you just notice what's coming up. See, and that's going to also bring that rest and relaxation into the nervous system, to the parasympathetic. So I absolutely think that that is step one is giving ourselves that room to just notice. And usually if there's a block like that, the body's also tense. So, I mean, I know I do the skincare routine that you've given me and sometimes I'm a little tired at night and I think, oh gosh, you know, I don't want to have do a this. new baby. Yeah, exactly. I got a new baby. You're a working professional. Yeah, but it's an exercise in mindfulness to relax my shoulders and take a deep breath and be present, like you were saying, for the moment and know that I'm doing something good for myself that's nourishing. And then when I feel good, it's that old saying that when, when mama's happy, everybody's happy, but when mama's not happy, right? So it's like taking that time and then that is gonna make a difference for the people around me. But to your point, you know, I have to stop the, the, the this wheel spinning that's just trying to get everything done, clean everything around me and take that moment to actually be present and connect with the moment. And I absolutely think that that's step one with so much in life. Mm -hmm. And I just want to remind everyone tuning in and, you know, I catch myself doing this all the time. If you have different media on and it's really geared at keeping you at that high beta state. You're talking like this, you're really excited. It's like, gotta get the message out right now. This is what you need to know. This is what you have to do to avoid this. And this is the latest information, the latest that. So you see what I did with my voice there? Mm -hmm. Really got quite high in that. And then just relaxing it, just even changing the way that we're mm -hmm. talking. And mm -hmm. I just observed that in myself, taking that, that deep breath and exhale after talking that way and then switching into a different state. What is that? Well, it's like a, a feedback loop because when we're relaxed, we may be more likely to talk in that way anyway. However, we can talk in that way and then it gives a message back to our nervous system that we're going to be relaxed. I think you're bringing up such an important point though that for a while it was all about peak performance and high achievement and incredible state. And that is awesome. And I do think we want to be there sometimes. There are times that moments in life that it really requires that. And yet 
part of how we get there is dipping back down and going back into that restful state and restoring and recharging. So I think it's the same thing. We want to perform and, and do, do our best and succeed on the ego level as well. Why not, right? But how do we do that most effectively? We dip back in. We go into the unconscious. We learn what is resting in our shadow that might need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. And for you listening, I hope that you kind of experience that change in energetic just through what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. Like, what was what was that like for you when you heard that type of speech, and then that contrast to where we are now again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so one, I noticed when you did that earlier, I was like, I, I get it. You're you were lined up. You weren't just saying it. Your your body language changed. So there's that. There's just that moment that we just experienced. And then I think it was an important lesson for me just in life that I was approaching everything from that drive place. And I have a story in that I had a baby at 42. So I was very driven and accomplished, but couldn't grow a baby for eight years did the inner work, did, went in, you know, changed the gears and became more successful in my business and have a baby. So I really believe in this going inward, this recharging, and that that is going to give us so much fuel and so much fertilizer for what we need to do in our life. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the things that you do in your daily routine to help you pay attention to your energetics we are yeah. electromagnetic beings we're mm. sitting on a rock we are on the earth there's different planets around us these are different planets of serious mass the moon has the energy to move our freaking oceans mm. so if you don't think that cosmic events are impacting mm. us on the earth this is just basic physics am i right yes absolutely so that so being mindful like you said just noticing what's around us is really important so that we're not just walled up to reality to nature to space to physics to molecules that it's it's all happening around us you know, I mean, being a biohacker, I can't say I'm a biohacker, but I follow people that are and I try to learn as much as possible because we want our cells to be receptive. We want our physical health to support us in our endeavors. So that's very important. For me, meditation is both a tool to recharge and it's also an opportunity perhaps to delve into shadow work or unconscious material because it is going to start to bubble up when we take that time to be mindful and be in that just kind of that recharge mode so that's a really important tool where i get little bits of information that i may not have been attentive to had i not taken that time paying attention to dreams and every night if i wake up every morning when I wake up, I'll think about my dream and I might text it to my friend just to kind of remind myself and I'll look at it and pay attention and I'll notice how themes from the dream start showing up in my life and I'll go, ah, I get it. So really paying, yes, exactly. The synchronicities, as you say, so important. And, and then I think giving ourselves time to look at art or literature or like you do to write and just let that unconscious mind have a little bit of room and space and notice what comes up without any judgment. Mm -hmm. Well, there were a lot of questions that came up in this interview that were oh, just, nice. you know, really on the fly. We came up with about four questions we really wanted to talk to. And that's what's so cool about this work for me is like, this is how I can be creative. And I learned so much at the same time with incredible experts like yourself. 
Oh, I, this has been so fun. And yes, it's just so cool to bounce off ideas. And I love the, just the, the connection with the mind, body and spirit. And it's like the, the universe at large. It's so cool how all of them are merging together. And I just appreciate what you do on your podcast. They're so informative and it's been such a pleasure to be on them and talk with you as well. Yeah. I always love having you on. I love your energy. Last question, how do we apply these principles of shadow work, dark night of the soul to maximize our potential and thrive? Well, we've talked about meditation. We've talked about doing writing. We've talked about dream work. We've talked about taking just that breath and changing our state and being open to whatever's coming up within ourselves, what's happening around us. I think one piece that we could talk a little more is just noticing where we've gotten tripped up in life and if that has happened consistently. And there may be an opportunity to then do some inner work. So it's just getting feedback and, and checking in and whether we feel like we're on course with where we want to be or where we feel led. and. Checking in with a friend, I mean, a, a mental health professional and maybe someone that is versed in this kind of shadow work could be really interesting. There's definitely a lot of teachers out there. There's some incredible books. I mean, I think you were reading one, um, Owning Your Shadow. And, and I would say just having, just bringing that awareness inward that maybe we don't have all of the information about ourselves and that there's room to explore. I'd say that's step one. And then seeing what matches a person's particular interests. And it's also okay to not really want to do the shadow work, but own it. That's what mm -hmm. my counselor told me. She's like, mm -hmm. you know, if people don't want to do the work, they got to own that. And, and that's okay. I actually work with a counselor. I meet with her at least once a month. She's in California as well, working with her for about 10, 10 years and um, our two sessions ago, she's like, so how much shadow work have you done? It's like, this is it. So this is such a cool, this is such a cool area of exploration for myself. And I'm really seeing the beauty and radiance in it and mm -hmm. really starting to almost observe beauty around me that might not necessarily be beautiful within mm. our culture. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. And that's really interesting that it's not just what we've deemed to be beautiful on the surface, or again, it's like desirable traits, but that there can be intrigue and things that are a little gnarly. It's, it's like the pumpkins that are, are filled with, with different things on them. So yeah, I think it can be really fascinating. And, and you're saying that it's opened up your mind and to different aspects of the world. It just made, it's made life quite a bit more interesting. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of like, I have a new appreciation for, um, you know, more quote unquote, like different types of art that might be looked mm. at, you know, like there's so much beauty around us. And I think it's really neat just to, to observe that and see what that feels like for you. See what comes up, see what blocks you're experiencing around it. That's really important to notice when we're feeling activated and look at that. And, and it's kind of like that old saying that when we point a finger, there's three pointing back at us, you know? So part of it is noticing when we're getting triggered or something seems to be especially evocative that we, instead of necessarily just saying, we don't want that around or we don't want to see that, but we look at what, what, 
coming up? What is this bringing up? What is it touching within ourselves? So I think that's an incredible point. Mm -hmm. And another kind of thing I'm going to add, and then we'll wrap things up here, is I've had it explained to me that when your body is functioning at its most optimal state, so we're talking, you got your antioxidants on board, you're detoxing your environment, you're really managing your EMF exposure, you're, you're just being your most healthiest version. There's less opportunity for different environmental stressors to impact your well-being. Hmm. So that not only applies to the physical, the electromagnetic, but also the mental and the unconscious aspect of ourselves. It's almost like the analogy of egg beaters. Hmm. If the egg beaters are, are working well, your body's super healthy, it's going to spin out those toxins. Hmm. So I think that by addressing and acknowledging the potential shadow side of ourself, it's going to allow for less of an opportunity for things to kind of get garbled up in the egg beaters, you acknowledge it, and then you let it, you don't really like let it go. That's the wrong way of looking at shadow. Can mm -hmm. you just add to that? Well, it's like it's no longer requiring energy to suppress it. And so that energy gets freed up in that we're really able to look at ourselves and know what's there and possibly find a healthy outlet for whatever's going on within ourselves or talk about it. So maybe transform it might be a good word. You could transform certain things within the shadow. Um, but I think that ultimately it just takes an incredible amount of energy and time to push everything down. Oh, and yeah. so we have the opportunity at the very least to be more congruent, which is going to feel better and more freeing when we're really able to connect and accept ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the tie to beauty and radiance. If you're acknowledging things that are running in the background, that might be having an impact on your appearance, your skin, your hormones, all of that stuff, it's here's an opportunity to kind of up level your radiance and beauty by paying attention to something that this might feel right for you. This might not, this might feel good to do in a future time, but it's just kind of cool to be aware of it. And being it's that congruence also that we are connected to who we are on mind, body and spirit, and we're not having to hide away part of ourselves. And that congruence reads to other people, I believe, as radiance. Oh, I love that. Where can people learn more about you, Leslie, your offerings and how you can support others? So I'm at Leslie Miranda, lmft.com. I'm also on Instagram, leslie.e.s.miranda. And I am a therapist here in California. So I do provide psychotherapy services to individuals. And I also give motivational talks if people are interested in that. And I also do a little bit of coaching and helping people just line up with their success. So I love to connect with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And I'd say a huge um, group of listeners here on the show are actually you know, biohackers from California. So yeah. if, you, if you're one of them, you must reach out to Leslie if you resonated with this message. And it's just been such a pleasure having you back on the show here. Oh, thank you. I've just enjoyed this talk. And it's just so fun to, to share ideas with you. And I love what you do. And you just keep getting better and better. So thank you for everything that you offer. Thanks. And I'm curious if you've actually seen that shift 
in some of the content I'm putting out. I'm, I'm totally like, give me your feedback. What have you noticed shifting over the last like month or so? Well, it, it just seems like the conversation, it, it gets very broad and it goes into the spiritual and all different dynamics of a person's being. And also what I love is then it's also tied back to beauty and radiance and that I know a lot of people are interested in that. Um, I, you've consistently offered such good content about nutrition and health that has really helped me and impacted my life. So I'm always grateful for that as well. Wonderful. I could talk to you for hours. So let's wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this very special, you know, change of season episode. We're moving into the darker seasons now. And so I just thought that this was very suiting to do this episode as a bit of a Halloween, you know, Samhain special. And please be sure to subscribe, hit that bell notification so that you get alerted when I go live. And I'd love for you to leave a review. Let me know what you enjoyed learning about and maybe some topics that you would like me to talk about in the future. I am showing up for you, tuning in. I am so grateful that you're taking this journey with Leslie and I. And be sure to reach out at rachelvarga.ca. You can book a session with me one-on-one. -on -one. I'll go through your at-home routine, what you're doing in the clinic, kind of give you a plan. And of course, changing up your routine, moving into the change of season. So this is actually the last day to get early bird registration on winter skin camp. Are you pumped about winter skin camp, Leslie? I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what you offer. Summer skin camp was awesome. So I'm so looking forward to this next round. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a lot of other professionals that are tuning in a little bit more than the, the summer skin camp. So lots of other doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners who are actually like skin and health experts themselves. So I just think this is great. It's just gonna continue to create that trickle effect into other clinicians' practices, which uh, is is uh, is more than I was, was anticipating with this work. I thought I was honestly just gonna be providing education to the client, but it's also to the clinician, which is really fun. It's a pretty neat ride. So thank you for yourself as a as a professional tuning in because what, what we're all able to learn together and share is just going to help enhance the way that we interact with people, places, and things. Well, thank you for the work you do. And it's just been such a pleasure. We'll see you guys in the next episode right here on the Rachel Varga podcast.